are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Friday, September 18th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I don't know about you, but my game days as a Miami Dolphins fan edge of my seat, white knuckles the whole time, especially more so this year than last year with the expectations now in place that the Dolphins are going to start to compete again. But nevertheless, cold beverage in hand, and you could bet your bottom it's going to be a Pepsi. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Today on the show, I'm going to try and help your fantasy team, uh, so take that advice at your own risk. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at the Dolphins' offensive backfield. We're going to look at the dynamics at play between Miles Gaskin vastly outsnapping everybody else for RB1 on the roster last week. We're going to look at Jordan Howard. We're going to look at Matt Breida. We're going to look at the dynamics of each of these three and who I think will take the biggest workload in Week 2. We're also going to look specifically in-depth at the matchup with the Buffalo Bills. Sands Joe Marino from yesterday's Locked On Bills crossover, courtesy of his expertise, feel really good about trying to formulate a game plan in which the Dolphins can have success. So let's start with this running back situation because the Dolphins saw Miles Gaskin take the majority of the snaps in week one against the New England Patriots, despite the fact that they signed Jordan Howard to a two-year, $10 million contract and traded a fifth-round pick for running back Matt Breida, the two-time reigning fastest man in football, for a fifth-round pick during the 2020 NFL Draft. So what gives? Howard is the thunder. Breida is the lightning. Miles Gaskin is probably the biggest complement of all-around complementary skills. And because the Dolphins found themselves chasing the football game from the very beginning, we played a scoreless first quarter against the New England Patriots, but then conceded a touchdown early in the second quarter. And before you know it, we're into the early portions of the second half. The team's down 11 and has scored three points. The Dolphins had to get out of their script. And as a result, and in trying to avoid becoming predictable in any way, shape, or form, it makes sense you would go with the running back who has the most complementary skill set all around, even if he's A, not as powerful as Jordan Howard, or B, as explosive as Matt Breida. So what does two, week two look like for the Miami Dolphins? Well, the Buffalo Bills in 2019 were a team that struggled defending the run. If you remember watching the Dolphins' season last year, the first game in which the Dolphins seemed to get any traction or push on the ground was the first Buffalo Bills game. Dolphins obviously went out, invested heavily in the offensive line. Dolphins invested heavily in the running back position. The Bills are fairly status quo up front. They've made some changes along the edge. They lost Shaq Lawson. 
They do have competent defensive ends in place. The team might be without linebacker Matt Milano for this football game, which would be a big loss, and Tremaine Edmonds left the Jets game in Week 1 with an injury. His status is to be determined. As I look at Miami's opportunities to attack the Buffalo Bills and ask myself which one of these running backs best lends to that approach, I genuinely think we will see a much bigger showing in production from Matt Breida this week. Breida was as productive on a per-carry basis as what Miles Gaskin was. He just got exponentially less touches and snaps. So how do we fix that? Well, the Dolphins, they were an offense that really struggled with explosive plays and creating chunk gains. Having someone in Matt Breida who is explosive in the open field as he is and looked as good as he did on his limited carries, that for me is the ticket. That's the recipe. Because you got to find traction on the ground and you have to find explosive plays in this offense to loosen everything up. I'm in the process of charting every offensive snap from week one. NFL Game Pass, our friends there, uh, got the tape out to us on Thursday. So I'm still in the process of charting the offensive snaps. And what I saw was the Patriots, even when the Dolphins tried to go two back sets, whether it was Chandler Cox and a back or genuine two back sets, and they tried to space the field and put three wide receivers out and stretch the field horizontally. The Patriots played in, in some big nickel situations. They took Adrian Phillips and rolled him down towards the line of scrimmage. But they did not care about the horizontal component. They stayed congested seven-man opportunities in the box. They outnumbered the Dolphins in the box. So how do you fix that? You have to find chunk plays. That can come in the passing game. It can come in the running game. But I think Matt Breida gives you your best chance to create those chunk explosive plays that this team is going to need to loosen things up offensively. We also have to consider the changes in the kind of coverage tendencies of each of these teams and the talent from top to bottom of the coverage options. Modestly optimistic. Buffalo's a very good football team. But considering where the Dolphins are in the here and now, I think we need to get Matt Breed the majority of the touches, and let's see what he can do. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores or coffee shops or our favorite stores, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our communities. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need us and our support. So it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, Make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. So let's talk about this game plan. Game planning the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills ran more 10 personnel than any team in the NFL in week one. What does that mean? One running back on the field, zero tight ends. That's the 10, four wide receivers. 
you think a lot about the dynamics that we've talked about with this Dolphins offense and stretching and spacing the field and quick game. And Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, has implemented a lot of these concepts for Josh Allen. Now, they've brought in Stephon Diggs. They traded a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs ahead of the 2020 NFL Draft, hoping to add a better vertical component to the offense. How do the Dolphins stop the Bills on offense? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. First and foremost, we have to force some level of mistakes from Josh Allen. How do you do that? You have to get him off his set. You have to get him running. He had two fumbles as a running quarterback in week one against the Jets, two turnovers. You have seen him in high-pressure situations not want to take sacks and was willing to throw the ball into coverage. So, I'm good with mano-a-mano, kind of going man-on-man, a lot of man tendencies. The occasional trap zone coverage is when you bring some pressure looks, depending on down and distance. But I do think you're going to have to mirror Stephon Diggs. I would take Byron Jones and mirror Stephon Diggs. Now, of course, the rest of the Bills situation, you get conflicts because you've got John Brown is super shifty. That's not a good matchup for Xavier now. You've got Cole Beasley in the slot. That's not a good matchup for Xavier now. So maybe we get some mixed and blended coverages with a lock on the slot. We put Igbo, we lock him in place. I think if, if Xavier Howard is going to continue to be on a pitch count, I like Miami's opportunities to go Byron on Stefan Diggs, Igbo on John Brown, Brandon Jones or Bobby McCain or whoever against Cole Beasley in the slot. I think that gives you movement skills for the players that are comparable to the movement skills of the talents that they're going against. Xavier Howard, if you're going to play him, impress and lock him up on somebody, it's probably Stephon Diggs. It's really tough because Buffalo has receivers that match up well against Xavier Howard. So we're going to go man-on-man in coverage with trap coverages, and I think the simulated pressure situations that Miami brought to the table, they were fine in week one. The Dolphins had the sixth highest conversion rate and win rate on pass rushes, according to ESPN's pass rush uh, win metric. Sixth best in the NFL in week one. The problem was the Patriots threw the ball 20 times. So how do you get Buffalo into more situations? Now, granted, Josh Allen threw the ball a ton week one. I think that plays into the favor of the Dolphins. How do you fit up the Bills running game, knowing that they are conceptually going to try to do What we have discussed from an ideology standpoint, the Dolphins would probably like to do, which is stretch the field and test you in light boxes. 
well, I think you got to copy and paste from what the New England Patriots did to the Dolphins in week one. I think you need to be plus one in the box. And you need to force Josh Allen because for as good and as as good as he's been against the Dolphins and as much of a headache as he's been against the Dolphins and as much as he's been improved in the short and intermediate areas of the field, you got to tell Josh to beat you over the top because he's not been persistent with his deep ball. And then you got to trust your athletes on an island to play inside leverage in zero and funnel those receivers into the boundary and squeeze them and make those super tight window throws vertically up the field. Stay plus one in the box. The Bills will probably break out some variation of zone read, and I think the Dolphins' adjustments from getting their asses kicked, to be completely honest with it, against New England, I think they'll be fairly ready for it, but I also don't believe Buffalo is going to come out and call 15 designed runs for Josh Allen. It's not his style. He's much more of a high-frequency scrambler when he runs. And you look at Buffalo's design run tendencies for him, and it almost kind of mirrors what the Dolphins did at their peak with Ryan Tannehill. They'll call four or five, and Josh will keep a couple of them, and they'll be in critical down and distance situations. So the good news, and this is where it's important to know the team that you're playing and not be flying blind coming into the game, The Dolphins have plenty of tape to go back and refer to and plenty of data for when they like to break out that zone read. Is it third and three? What side of the field are we on? What formations do they run it out of? Bills brought everybody back. So from a preparation standpoint, the Dolphins should be able to have those tendencies, identify those tendencies, and be prepared for when they call them. That's the blueprint. I think you're plus one in the box. So that probably means you're going to run one high very frequently in coverage. From a safety perspective, you got to roll that extra safety down in the box to stay plus one. I think you got to go man on man in coverage against these guys. And you got to try and push the ball vertical and make Josh Allen beat you deep. He's got a big arm. He's not an accurate passer vertically down the field. That's my game plan. We'll see what they come up with. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stores from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Philbs archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So where do the Dolphins win on offense against the Buffalo Bills? Joe Marino mentioned it yesterday on the show. Buffalo is a much more high-frequency cover three team. And I think that's where the opportunities are to be had in the passing game, regardless of Devontae Parker's status. Obviously, if he plays, it'd be extremely helpful. I mentioned earlier in this week, 
I also think it's important for the Dolphins to implement more motion at the snap to create more conflict and leverage for their receivers to create separation in man-to-man situations. Number one recipe for success, don't throw at Trey White unless you have to. Trey White got paid something like $17.5, $18 million a year on his new cornerback contract, and he is a stud. Let's not play that game unless we have to. That was the backbreaker in the first game against the Bills last season in which Miami had momentum. They got the ball at half. They're going down. They're inside the 10. Fitz throws a pick to Trey White. We're off to the races now all of a sudden. So, cover three. That was, if you guys remember, Preston Williams in the first half against New England had a deep kind of in and sit route. Uh, He broke that off against cover three. And he sat down at like 20 yards of depth. And they got a nice chunk gain. It was on the drive that the Dolphins went down and kicked the field goal. They stalled out on like the 28. New England very sparingly gave you those zone looks. They very sparingly gave you too high. They went to too high down closer to the red zone. The one time Miami got down just outside of it, knocking on the door in the first half, they went split safeties. And Miami, they went trips three by one. So they went three to the field, one to the boundary. And they ran, uh, I believe it was a split zone RPO look on that play. And I want them to come back to this play this week. The first time you get a too high shell in the red zone. Isaiah Ford was at three strong. He ran a three-step slant, skinny slant, or skinny post, if you will, shallow post. And he took it right in between the two safeties. And Fitzpatrick gave the ball on the play on the RPO, presumably because, and I'm assuming, I don't, I don't know what Chan Gailey's RPO indicators are, So, but I'm assuming one of the general rules is if you get two high safeties, we're going to run the ball. Actually read it this time. Because New England had nobody in the middle of the field on this play. And Isaiah Ford was wide open. And they ran split zone. Fitz could have very easily rode that, pulled that out, popped that to Isaiah Ford. He probably could have moonwalked into the end zone. Not necessarily the wrong read based on whatever rules and and indicators that the Dolphins have for RPO concepts but it was one of the handful of RPO concepts or or runs that they had with routes tethered to it throughout the course of the first half. And man, I would have really liked to see him throw it. You can't run it against three, but the first time the Bills try and give you two, I want to see it run, if possible, because it was there. The Dolphins, I liked what they did with some of their bunch stuff. Uh, They did a modest amount of pre-snap motion. I think it was something like 40% of their snaps. They had pre-snap motion, but only one snap or one or two snaps throughout the course of the game where motion was actually in place at the snap of the football. So that's the difference between the two. I liked what the Dolphins did with some of their motioning into three-by-one sets. I liked what the Dolphins did with some of their tight end or H motion to kind of get that tell in the box, see if the linebackers bump over a gap. They need to continue to do that. I mentioned Matt Breida. I think Matt Breida 
has the opportunity to have a very big game. Because the Bills up front, I don't think they're super imposing. Ed Oliver, first-round pick, top 10 overall selection. He's very good. But you look at the rest of this group, Quentin Jefferson, Harrison Phillips, their defensive ends, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Trent Murphy. This offense should be able to lean on these guys. Now, granted, I said the same freaking thing coming into the New England game, and Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler whooped our butts. How did they do that? Well, based on my work through the first half of the Dolphins-Patriots game with the coaches' film, New England was very persistent with exchanging gaps. They had some L steps at the line of scrimmage, which means they're lining up in one gap, and at the snap they're taking a lateral step and getting into a different gap. That blew up a, a power lead concept for the Dolphins on an early down snap. And the, the Patriots were very persistent to drop and roll those linebackers. Those linebackers were pretty confident for the Patriots to sit, read, and then react. This week for the Dolphins, you got to figure out how to get those linebackers off their spot and then go where they're not. One of the best plays the Dolphins had, just a routine pitch and catch. But they broke out an RPO early on in the second possession of the game to Devontae Parker lined up in the slot. They pulled a guard to give an indicator of a power concept, linebacker filled. We ran double slant on the outside, and Fitzpatrick zipped it right to Parker. Those kinds of concepts. Let's run them. And if they want to zone you up and they want to go three deep, then hey, now we're going to have opportunities outside to run quick hitches. We're going to run slant. We're going to run slant flat. Let's take it. If they're going to play soft and give you three deep across the board, and they're going to challenge you to throw it underneath, and then they're going to come up and tackle, let's play that game. Because we're a lot bigger in the skill positions than the Buffalo Bills. Dolphins have size. Devontae Parker, Mike Isecki, Preston Williams. Let's challenge him. Let's see if they want to give us underneath, then you know you can't go broke taking a profit. We're going to run those little hitches. Five-yard hitch underneath every single time until they go to take it away, and then you can start to get a little bit more aggressive. Just kind of how I would piece together a game plan if I'm Miami coming into this game. We'll see what they apply of it. We'll see how big of an idiot I am at the end of the weekend uh, when this game comes to a close. But the last thing I would leave you with, guys, is this. Uh, the Dolphins' playoff aspirations are on the line in Week 2. That sounds crazy, I know. But 538 did a study a couple years ago, and it looked at every NFL season from 1990 to 2013, almost 25-year sample size. And it looked at every game along the way, whether you were 0-0, 1 0-2, 2-0, 1-1, all the way up through like 11 wins and losses. And it looked at what your probability was of making the playoffs at any given point, any given juncture where your record sits. The Dolphins, at 0-1, right now, based off that 24-year sample size, have a 25% chance of making the playoffs. 
a win in week two against Buffalo moves that, according to this study, to 41%. It's not great. But inevitably, half of the teams in the NFL are going to start the year 0-1. The Dolphins are among that half. Not every team that wins week one is going to get into the playoffs. If the Dolphins lose week two and fall to 0-2, their probability of making the postseason goes from 25% to 12. 12% at the end of week two. Two divisional losses. We can't have it. So if you are the Miami Dolphins and if you are serious about playing meaningful football games in December, don't lose this football game. Don't do it. Because the math will say you have a 1 in 10 chance of rebounding from 0-2 to make the postseason. And I like a lot of dynamics about what's going on in this football team. I am not going to sit here and lie to you guys and tell you that this football team in an 0-2 hole is going to be that 1 in 10 opportunity to go do it. It is very early in the season for a must-win football game. But if you fall to 0-2 and have two divisional losses, stick a pin in them, man. We ain't making the playoffs this year in that scenario. So big game for the Dolphins. They're at home. They've got the humidity on their side. They're wearing whites. They're forcing the Bills to wear colors. The Bills are going to bake in the sun. Forecast calls for a fairly sunny day. The Dolphins got their asses kicked up front by the New England Patriots. You got something to prove. You're playing softer personnel in the trenches on both sides of the line of scrimmage is what the Patriots can afford you. Let's go win the freaking football game. Enjoy your weekends. Fins up. Let's get a dub. Kyle Crabb signing off. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'll talk to you guys on Monday.